Hey guys, welcome back to Truth Soup, episode 5. Today, we sit down and talk to my brother Jory. It was really awesome. He's a very amazing person. Hearing how he copes with his PTSD helped me to understand better my PTSD. So, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Truth Soup Podcast where real people talk about real solutions. Join us as we speak with guests about their childhood trauma and the inner workings of their own coping skills, how these tools worked and didn't. We hope you'll pick up your own tools along the way. Okay, welcome everybody to today's episode. Today we have my amazing brother, Jory Stoltz. How's it going, Jory? Um, it's going pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. And I guess we'll just hop right into it. So, Jory, tell me, where were you born? I was born in Lansing, Michigan, 1987. Nice, nice. <laughs> Lansing, Michigan. And, and Lansing is close to Detroit? Not really. It's about two hours from Detroit. It's okay. the capital of Michigan, but nobody knows where it is. See? Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and you were primarily raised by? My mother, Jamie Jones, and my stepfather, Chris Jones. But uh, to, be, to be fair, I was raised by my friends and my, you know, and uh, other family. I would say my grandfather probably had a better hand in raising me than, than okay. my mother did. Okay. All right. Um, and then siblings, of course, me, your brother. And then you have another sibling. Oh, Shay. <laughs> My amazing sister. Hilarious, <laughs> wonderful sister. She is pretty uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about um, school life. Uh, let's start with grammar school. So kind of zero to sixth grade. How were those years for you? What were they like? I would say rough because I I've been a, I've I've always been a super eccentric person. I have a really short attention span, and I'm I'm always my brain's always working and thinking, and it's really it was really hard to redirect me to focus on the material that was in front of me because I wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. I didn't <laughs> I hated that they wanted to teach me what I, they thought was important. Oh man, I can relate to that so much. I was <laughs> I was always so bored. I'm like. Uh, Okay, I feel like we learned this last week. And yeah. And can we learn something new this week? Or Right. <laughs> I mean, I could go into all that and the indoctrination of the schooling systems, but it's uh, it wasn't for me. The whole, the whole schooling system wasn't for me, and I learned a lot more on my own and through experience and independent study than I ever did in school. So Same. <laughs> same. <laughs> uh, for sure. So middle school, then high school, kind of same experience for you? Oh yeah, and but I would say that's when I my social life started to blossom a little more, and I started to make a lot more friends. I, I also kind of that was when I realized what a real friend was and what a, I guess a lemming was, a, you know, a follower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> um, and so, would you say then, <clears throat> in in middle school, high school, and because you said that that was you know, when your social life kind of started to blossom, would you say that's also when your, your artistic career 
kind of started to blossom in those years as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that's that's a majority of the reason why my social life blew up so much is because I joined a band and we just started within like that year. We started touring and had a CD and we we're super popular and we we're selling out shows. What was the name of that? One in the Chamber. <laughs> <laughs> we were very angsty. Um, <laughs> when did you start that band? I would say I don't remember exactly, probably like 2000, 2002, 2003. Okay. I don't really remember the years exactly. And in your high school years. It's all a haze, man. But it was in high school and you had two other band members, is that correct? Uh, I had three other band members in that group and all our names started with a J. So we <laughs> couldn't fire our bass. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't fire the bass player because we would have had to find another one with a J. So. And that would have been very difficult, I'm sure. <laughs> That's, it's, it's known in the music world that bass players don't typically have J's <laughs> in their names. So. Gotcha. Um, okay, so um, after high school, did you go to college at all? I did not, um, unfortunately. I always wanted to go to film school. Was, money was always a huge issue for me, um, and that stemmed from my earlier years. But uh, I never went to college. I just did a four-year um, internship at a design firm, but that was nice. kind of the only, I guess, post schooling system education that I had. Sure. Sure. So more experience-based, which I mean, to me is I learned way better experience-based than I do trying to get it out of a book or, or anything like that. Yeah. Like, let me do it. Let me, let me, let me, let me absorb it. Let me actually like use my hands and my brain and do it. Right. And then, <laughs> then I can remember it and, and, and comprehend it and keep it, uh, keep it there. And, right. and really grow from there too, you know what I mean? Oh, for um, sure, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so um, then uh, it, later, when did you, um, when, were, when was the um, Sunset Club put together? That was a ways later. Um, okay. That was probably so, around like 2009. Okay, so what were you doing in between those years then? Moving like, all over the place and just... <laughs> Living at living on friends' couches and stuff, and just getting experience. Yeah, I would say I would say yes and no. But I I la I had a lot of fear, you know. I a lot I still do, but I'm got, I'm a lot better now. But I kind of got thrown out into the world in a, with this mindset that I should be afraid of it, and uh, and and I I didn't take as many leaps and bounds as I should have, like I am as I am now. I would say. Sure. Sure. But, yeah. So would you say then that? Um, that fear that you had was that um, based from uh, a childhood trauma? I would say an ongoing childhood trauma that would still affect me, and it still does in ways, but it would affect me really badly if I were to let it. And sure. that's living with a an, an aggressor for extended extensive period of time, and and being targeted by that aggressor on a on a daily basis and being tightly scrutinized, controlled and uh, manipulated, you know, and that, that can just, that can really mess up someone's psyche. So it takes a lot of backtracking and a lot of work 
sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and and I think it takes continual work. I mean, I, mm. I think it's, I think that's probably the the thing that I get most frustrated about is, it's like, no matter what you do, no matter how many therapies you go through, how many you know w- tools that you gain or, or ways you learn how to 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 manage um, these these childhood traumas, they're still there. Yeah, and it's and it's not um, it's not going anywhere, and that's right. like, yeah. and to me that's like that's so you know it's it's frustrating and 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 I know that that's also based in my trauma. You know what I mean? Like my trauma right. says that I have to ha- make everything the best of the best, and it has to be good. And and so if it's still there, then it's not good. And or, or at least that's you know my, what my evil little mind or evil right. little voice in my mind says. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I wanted to, to, so, and we don't have to go in depth about it, um, but definitely touch on some facts about your specific childhood trauma. Yeah. A lot of that revolved around, you know, my relationship with my stepdad and his role in our family unit. If you, if you can really call it that, like, I, I hate to be so like, negative sounding but looking back on it, I just call a spade a spade anymore you know I don't like to sugarcoat things there's a lot of beautiful things in the world and there's and uh, and so much to be grateful for but I'm not going to pretend like there's not also a dark side of the world and that's at work every day I see it I would uh, agree I would I would I would say that there's definitely a balance you know there's a balance and and although it it does, I think, help us and and move us forward to to stay positive and and stay, you know, and, and try and try to stay in that mind space. I agree a hundred percent that it would be unrealistic of us to be like, there's, but there's no bad, there's no dark, there's no yeah, that's, that's crap. So sorry, yeah. go, go ahead. You're right though. You can't expose the the dark side of things, you know, without light and vice versa. But it's the whole esoteric duality, <laughs> but. Uh, my relationship with him was always uh, very um, toxic. You know, it was always toxic. And it, it, I think every all of his relationship with all of us was just super toxic. He's just an extremely toxic individual with a lot of, and we, and you know, we all can be. And sure, that's what I was actually just going to, was going to mention was, I was going to say probably that relationship with himself was, was oh yeah, was probably horrible. And, and thus, you know, the relationships around him, of course, were. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was trying to fill a void with all kinds of things. And he had, I guess to kind of start from, from like a conceivable point is he had always targeted me out of the two of us. And I, and I did get in a lot of trouble and I was, you know, quote unquote troublemaker. But, um, at at the same time, I, I do believe that, uh, Things weren't you, you, you can have a, a sibling and have an, a completely different a childhood experience than they have growing up with them. And uh, I learned that with Shay that a lot of our differences stem from who we had looking after us, looking out for us. And she had always had her friend Liz's mother, kind of like a, a surrogate mother. And she would all, she stayed many, many weekend, you know, over there. And I was stuck with my aggressor. Or I was that, or I was down the road. I wasn't too far from his control. He was constantly trying to control me. If I got up to go to the bathroom, he would ask me where I was going. And it was like that constantly. Like, 
I still feel like I can still feel that, you know, like I still feel like I have someone's on my shoulder, just on my back. Sure. Like somebody's just going to come to the room and start telling you what to do or, or, or telling you you're doing it all wrong or. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> 100%. I think it's interesting that, that you say that, you know, about, about him being kind of controlling and wanting to control you. And, and I would think that that's, that probably stemmed from his own childhood trauma, you know, pr- probably him not being able to be oh. in control of things. So, so wanting Absolutely. to control everything else around him, but anyways, I digress. So let's talk a little bit about now any, have you gone through any professional therapies or anything like that? The only time I ever actually had professional help was probably when I was like 18, I went to a psychiatrist. Okay. How was that? What was that experience like for you? It was, it was, uh, we didn't get very far. I didn't go, we, you know, it was insurance based or something, but uh, it was kind of cool because the psychiatrist was giving me some different perspectives and, uh, and maybe something a psychiatrist shouldn't do, but giving me some pretty uh, spiritual aspects to some situations I was dealing with at the time. And so that, and that was, pretty much traditional therapy where you go and you talk to somebody and they pretty much listen. They listen. And then they're they're like, well, what about this? What about this possibility? What about that possibility? And it kind of gets you playing devil's advocate with yourself. And now I just do that on the regular anyway. So sure. You got to play devil's advocate and (laughs) definitely look at all those perspectives for sure. I agree. And, and then, so tell me a little bit about, anything that you've done as far as um, self-help, like what, what ways have you done or what, what things have you done as far as self-help goes? Lots and lots of meditation and uh, um, researching trauma, PTSD and CPTSD and uh, a self-diagnosed chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is really strange um, because it can affect different people in different ways like for example because i always had uh this daunting oppressive figure always on my back for so long that groomed me to be afraid and to feel like i was never strong enough or big enough or good enough or this or that and and so it's affected me in a way where um i'll just be having an you know, a good day or everything will be fine and I'll have no real just cause for it, but it'll feel like someone's put a gun to my head and there's no gun, but, but you can't convince my brain that there isn't, you know? Sure. And it's, it's not that I think there's a gun, it's, it, but that's just the feeling that I get just out of nowhere. I'll just overwhelming fear will just paralyze me. And, and that, that's one of the main reasons why I started seeking uh, knowledge about PTSD because I didn't want to live like that. I'm sick of living like that. It's, it's a high anxiety all the time, just super tense. And yeah, I got sick of it. <laughs> yeah, relate. I can relate completely. Uh, we talked about before in in the first episode about EMDR, and I don't know if I I uh, ever named it or, or anything, but anyways, I of course went back and looked, and and it's um, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, And when I went through it, that was what um, kind of helped me to figure out um, 
one of my mini triggers uh, is taking a shower um, because the first time that I was abused was in a shower. And since that, you know, happened and I didn't even really put two and two together until I went through the EMDR that, um, that I was having, that I would get anxious whenever I was getting ready to take a shower. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as the water would turn on, I would start feeling this anxiety. And I guess I never like, um, you know, I never put two and two together because almost all of the time I take a shower first thing in the morning. So I just figured, you know what I mean? Like I just figured I had high anxiety and, and, you know, I'm getting up in the morning, so I'm having anxiety, (laughs) but you know, of course, through the, through the EMDR, I found out that, that the first time I was abused, it was in a shower and he literally was doing the things to me while we were in a shower. Um, so that of course, you know, trapped and, and, and stayed there and was, it was a cycle. Um, and, and it, just like you said, you know, I, I don't know where I'm, you know, I woke, I just woke up, I'm having a great day. Everything's fine. And I'm about to take a shower and now I'm full of anxiety and yeah, for what, because mm-hmm. the water turned on, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember getting to that place of just being tired, tired of the anxiety ruling instead of me managing the anxiety. So I, I yeah. can definitely relate. So, so you, you, um, you said you, you, you've done a lot of, of your own self-help where you've um, studied PTSD and, and, and gone through things. So tell me something today that you do, and it doesn't have to be your number one, but um, you know, something that you do today on a daily basis that you do to deal with or um, deal, I don't like to use that word, deal, uh, manage the, the, um, the PTSD. Uh, definitely yoga and meditation are the two biggest things for me. Um, working out is another big thing is just putting on music and just doing some running or lifting or something that's going to help me get my mind focused. Sure. And getting those endorphins going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think too, you know, um, and I know that, you know, people know this, but I think that we don't um, talk about it or concentrate on it enough, but like you said, you know, um, yoga and meditation, because when you're doing yoga and meditation, there's also endorphins released um, at those times. Um, so I think that's a, I think those are awesome ways absolutely to deal with PTSD. Um, I know that's definitely, um, I haven't been doing it as much as I should, but working out definitely for me uh, is a good one. And especially running, um, you know, and that makes me think of, you know, last year, dad said something to me. He asked me when I was going through everything with uh, the breakup, he asked me, he's like, you know, are you running to something or running away from something? And it was funny because that day, it really made me start thinking about when I run, like when I actually physically exercise and run, mm-hmm. when I'm running, I'm thinking about running to something, you know, like I'm, I'm, that's what, I, that's what I'm seeing. I'm like, I'm seeing myself running towards the finish line or running to, to the, but I think emotionally the, the complete opposite for me, you know, I, I run away from things. I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with yeah. that anxiety. I don't want to deal with that, that, um, that sadness or, or whatever. Um, but no, I just thought it was a, a 
a cool way or, or, or a, a neat way to get a perspective where you can shift that perspective in your brain or, or I did for myself where mm-hmm. now I try to emotionally run to things instead of running away from things. Oh yeah, for sure. So, okay, sir. Best part of the, the interview for me. <laughs> um, tell me about your favorite childhood memory. My favorite childhood memory. I have to say it's probably, I, I, I was really small, really young, and I hardly really remember it, but it's something that I always think about uh, around Christmas is because we went into a Christmas tree, you know, yard, and we cut down a tree and hauled it back, and that's one of the things I remember is being with Dad, and that was one of the earliest times I actually have a glint of a memory with Dad there and dad and shay and my mom and it was actually you know it was a family unit cool yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good memory i like it very uh norman rockwell (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like it that's good that's a good memory to 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 have and to hold on to well brother i i want to say that i love you i appreciate you um coming on and, and, and being vulnerable and sharing your story. And, uh, I know that there's, there's somebody out there who's going to hear it and, and be helped. So, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you having me and I, I love you very much too. All right. We'll talk soon, brother. All right. Thank you, Chris. Love you. Thanks for listening to the truth soup podcast, where real people talk about real solutions. Join us next time 